2: and welcome to episode 81 of 40 going on 14. 82. 82 of 40 going on 14. (laughs) April fools. (laughs) I'm Mike. I'm Patrick. Sorry.
0: (laughs) I'm Joel.
3: And I'm Josh and I'm one bad mother. Shut your mouth. What? No, you didn't let me finish. I'm a bad mother. I don't have a uterus. I'm literally incapable of giving birth to a child. I'm pretty much the worst mother imaginable. Uh, I'm gonna
2: need a drink to get on with the rest of the show with the image that I have in my head right now.
1: <laughs> that reminds me of a. Well, you know what? Never mind. I probably shouldn't tell that story.
2: <laughs> so we're finally doing the Shaft show. Yes. Talking about Shaft this week. Um jump out. It. <laughs> that's going to go on for a while today, isn't it? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yep. Yep. That's the joke, folks. We're going to run with it all lo- all night long. Okay. For an hour. Yes. So. Yeah, if we're talking about Shaft. We we'll watched the original 1971. Yeah, 1971 Shaft yes. yes. with Richard Roundtree, and then we watched the two nineteen no 2001 with Samuel Jackson. Indeed. Yes.
0: And Richard Roundtree in a guest
3: spot. Hmm. These you know, are all true things.
2: You know who reminds me of Richard Roundtree? The musings uh, the fine of the... Geek people <laughs> Yeah. I
3: was gonna guess the fine people at the Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Go figure. You and I think so much alike, Josh. All right. Well, if oh. you <laughs> were to visit the Musings I'm not, I'm of not a Geek finishing Podcast that network, That's... you would find such shows as Sweatin' and the Small Stuff, Moving the Needle, the Pittsburgh Nerd Pod, Geek Did Geek Dig Podcast, uh, Green Up. Uh, the Arkham Social Hour, salty language, and uh, how is this movie?
2: Yay! And if you're looking to listen to us on Saturdays, when you're out walking through the middle of traffic in the dark, <laughs> wearing nothing but a black trench coat, you can listen to us at Geek Life Radio at noon when it's really bright out. and They'll probably <laughs> see you.
0: <laughs> I'm was parasailing.
2: Or you can get our older shows on iTunes, find them on Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoot. And if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, leave us some comments or show ideas, you can call us at 708-NOW-RAP, 708-669-9727.
3: Or if you don't like the idea of your voice being played on the air, where we will then subsequently mock it, you can always send us an email at 40go14 at gmail.com, or shoot us a tweet. We're on Twitter, at 40go14.
2: I tweeted earlier.
1: I bet you did. I'm mm. tweeting
2: right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wasn't awkward at all, Joel. <laughs> 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 so, listener feedback—we were talking about. We got any voicemails there?
3: Yeah, we got one.
2: Huh? I probably should have.
3: I—I'm I, not doing very good on the whole screening the voicemails thing. I wasn't sure this one was gonna download. Let's see what it says.
1: mm <laughs> Hmm. So, first five minutes of the show, and
3: we have talk with voice and Debert adequate.
2: Wait, what? What is that? I don't. I don't. Uh, know yeah, I means. don't know.
1: Do we need to replay that?
2: Was Was that
3: Luke from Chicago doing a Charlie impression, or was that Charlie? I thought it
2: was Charlie. No, sounded like Luke. Charlie. I'll play it again.
1: So, first five minutes of the show, and we
3: have talk with voice and Devers. Adequate. No, that's Luke. Yeah, it sounds like Luke. Shit, he's catching. I have no idea what he meant even more than usual. (laughs) (laughs) Talk with voice? Oh! Uh, Wait. He's talking about the Talk Talk show. Oh. Oh! Okay, and... And Debert. What the heck is a Debert? I don't a, know. Opposite of a line a
0: card you used. Uh, it's like a check, but you draft money directly out of your account. Uh, ah, Debert's card, card.
3: card, yes. It's, Dilbert. yeah, Debert. it's Dilbert's brother. Oh. Five minutes of the show. I'm trying to remember. Shut what, your mouth. No, uh, no, no, not five minutes of this show. Too soon. <laughs> so, yes, we usually talk in our shows that's how podcasts work i'm
1: very confused right now yeah
2: i'm not usually this confused until after the break
1: i need an adult i
3: Hmm. don't think it has ever been more about that time
2: (laughs) i don't even know where to go with this all right hang on it is it is that time This
1: week in music, movies,
0: and TV. And sports.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a little late to the party almost on that. And it, and it, it's back again. It's back to being funny now. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and Joel's going to be a little bit slow because he's slowly asphyxiating from his dog farts that are going on. A- <laughs>
0: She's being very problematic, so it's making this difficult.
2: (laughs) feels like there's
3: something I'm supposed to do here.
2: (laughs) Uh. Hmm. All right. So, the week in 1971, when the original Shaft was released, the uh, number one song by the Temptations called, oh, we got an early on acronym of the week, J M I parentheses, or what are those? Those those are parentheses. parentheses. R A W M.
3: Yeah, that's uh, Jesus Makes Ice, Random Alcohol with Men. It's a song about a very controversial reinterpretation of the uh, New Testament as a bar crawl.
1: It picks up the apostles. Nice. What what is Joel's line? Then Jesus turned the water into funk. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. No, that is actually uh, just my imagination running away with me. Hmm. Close, though. You were very close. Yeah.
2: Very close. Yeah. And uh, f- that's followed up by Janis Joplin's Me and Bobby McGee. which uh too- <laughs> Which is also about Jesus.
1: <laughs> but not so much about the gay nightclub.
2: Right. So James Taylor, <laughs> his album Mudslide and the Blue Horizon released on
3: Slim in the Blue Horizon. Mudside
2: Slim, I missed that one. Released on April 1st. Most people have thought that that was an April Fool's joke. But no, it's just James Taylor. That's I an mean, odd title. That is. He
1: will name his album whatever the hell he pleases. They're different because things. he's written half the songs
2: out there. I thought that was uh, Barry Manilow. No, he
1: writes all the songs. Oh. There's a lot I of covers between the
2: two
1: huh. <laughs> I don't base him. What I say in fact, I necessary. thought it was
2: Jack Black.
1: <laughs> he he writes the other half. Oh, okay. So between the three of them, they each have a half. That makes you know a whole.
2: You're a hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now you're gonna this. I have I have a legit complaint in this one. I don't know which which way to go on the first name on this one, but I got to say, Igor Stravinsky. No, you went the wrong way. I went is Igor. Yes. Okay, Igor Stravinsky, Russian composer, conductor, and pianist, dies on April 3rd. Yeah. 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 Fucking hate Say you. It. Say it. <laughs> he is now decomposing. Boop, boop. Ciao da Ciao da <laughs> <laughs> These are the jokes, folk. Life. Like them or leave them.
1: You said he's a pianist. <laughs> you get what you pay for, that's all I can tell you.
2: Yeah, movies. Ewan McGregor is born on March 31st in Perth, Scotland. Guess you don't recognize that name. He was in train spotting The Phantom Menace and Moulin Rouge. And for some That's reason, it. no movies were released from January 31st to April 28th. People were riding high in the January release of Billy Jack, Fiddler on the Roof, The Million Dollar Duck, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, and they break the silence with The Summer of 42.
3: Yeah, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, in a lot of ways, actually popularized the whole black exploitation genre and uh originally uh this is not a joke or anything uh the uh producers of it accused roundtree shaft of kind of copying off of this film uh despite the fact that uh shaft was filming at the same time hmm
0: Directed by Melvin Van Peebles, Mario Van Peebles' dad, and there's a great documentary about it, actually.
2: Huh. Yep. I'll have to see that. The Million Dollar Duck. I mean.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, of course. That's
2: so, what we were talking about, right? Yeah, I know. Seriously.
0: <laughs> Which brought about the duck
2: exploitation, craze <laughs> Ducks- that happened <laughs> in the mid '70s. <laughs> that one's uh, for Brian Farrell. Yeah. There you go. And uh, TV, Marcus Welby, M.D., is a top show, followed by The Flip Wilson Show, and Here's Lucy. And then the, it's not sci-fi, it's horror.
1: Well,
3: yeah, but to be fair, vampire fiction is sort of a subgenre of sci-fi. You could say, like, sci-fi space opera is, like, general sci-fi, but I would call fantasy and most horror subgenres of science fiction.
2: Uh eh, I'll run with it. The sci-fi soap opera Dark Shadows concludes after an almost five-year run on April 2nd. Little known fact, I have seen every episode of the original Dark Shadows. Wow. Really? I've yeah. I've seen none. It's not bad. Barnabas Collins, and then they remade it in the 80s.
0: And then they remade it again, and it was apparently terrible.
2: Yeah. The movie was terrible. The second the remake in I think it was like '88 came out, it was wasn't too damn bad. Um, but no, I, when I worked at the video store, it was one of those where I would choose a TV show and just crank through it. That's how come I've seen all the Prisoner and a bunch of other shows. <laughs> yeah, watched all you the masturbate
0: while you were watching
2: it. Well, I don't know how we got here. Yeah, you you don't. I, we usually do, but I mean, I, that's early early. You
0: said you crank through them. I mean, what else am I supposed to read into that? <laughs>
2: I wish I could psychically make your dog fart from here.
0: <laughs> She'll do it on her own sooner now.
2: And then in spurts, born on April 3rd in Triumph, Idaho, Picabo Street is an American Alpine ski racing <laughs> world champion. Say
1: her name again.
2: Fuck you. That's what I'm saying. It's Peekaboo. He said Picabo.
1: <laughs> That's better. I mean, isn't that That's... hysterical that the, the goofy way to pronounce it is the correct way? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Peekaboo Street.
2: P-I-C-A-B-O. Okay, yeah, Peekaboo. and I didn't Peekaboo. go with, I went, went with Peekaboo, and it's Peekaboo. Peekaboo. I, it's, I wouldn't have said Peekaboo. Oh, that's funny.
1: No, I don't blame you for saying that. I just, it, I thought that was a, right, she was recognizable enough that you would have known that. Yeah. Because she, yeah. I mean, she was kind of famous for a while.
2: Okay. I mean,
3: yeah, she's got an unusual name. She's reasonably attractive, and she was an incredible, is an incredible athlete. Okay.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. here he goes. Here comes Google. <laughs>
2: <laughs> do, 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 do. Oh, wow. <laughs> See? Yeah. All right. Peekaboo, Peek-a-boo Street. <laughs> Sunny <Becabu>. days. Jason. <laughs> Pablo Picabo. <Becabu. laughs> so, uh, Japanese race car driver Shinji Nakano is born on April 1st. <laughs> he got that name. Yeah, I know. Yeah,
1: that one's no problem. <laughs> Yeah. He always does that. He always he, he, he like he like he Barney's us. You know, Barney from The Simpsons. We always think he's gonna just fuck up all the, you know, yeah.
3: As opposed to Barney Gumble from,
0: from I couldn't think of
1: Gumble. I choked. Yeah. I couldn't think of the last name.
2: Yeah, Barney Fife. So Shaft, nineteen seventy one, directed by Gordon Parks, music by Isaac Hayes. John, what? what? Kidding. Trying to fake like I didn't know that
1: Isaac Hayes sang the theme song. Sorry. I'll shut up.
2: All right, I'll be the one because I know none of you you fuckers are going to break.
0: Are we doing the mime show again?
2: (laughs) Yeah, for a moment. I forgot what week it was. Um, So it would, John Shaft is the ultimate in suave black detectives. Uh, First finds himself up against Bumpy, the leader of the black crime mob, then against black nationals, and then finally working with both against the white mafia who are trying to kidnap Bumpy by kidnapping his daughter. Blackmail Bumpy. Otherwise, it'd be a double kidnapping. His daughter
1: is Blackmail Bumpy? No, his yeah, daughter she's is... She's named Braille.
2: an unfortunate name. <laughs> oh. See, it all makes sense now. Kind of. It does? What? Oh. All right, so Richard Roundtree is John Shaft. Moses Gunn is Bumpy Jones. Uh, Charles Cielfi as Lieutenant Vic Andrazi. That's pretty much all the names that we're going to get through Is that you're going to Richard Browntree and Moses Gunn is the only two that I recognize out of the whole thing.
3: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I I had seen Charles Chiaffi in other stuff in the 70s, but always playing that sort of bit part random cop dude. Mm -hmm. And you've got Christopher St. John doing the kind of like dickish partner, the kind of uh, role you'd expect to go to like Judge Reinhold if it was 10 years later.
2: Judge Reinhold, really?
3: That oh, was the Man first name of mine.
2: Yeah. yeah, he was kind of dickish. Yeah, yeah, not always, but sometimes. So I've always been a big fan of this film. Just. Have, hmm? see, I'm, I'm just. Actually, I just want a quick run around. How many of us have seen this before this time? Not me. Me? Nope.
3: Okay, so, Mike, you watched this specifically for the show.
2: Yeah, I watched <laughs> this for the first time.
3: Jonathan, I think the first time I saw this was probably in college.
2: Well, you were in room with Joel, so I can see I can see that happening.
3: <laughs> well, and we'd yeah. go through we'd go through genre periods where we'd watch all sorts of different things, and I don't remember if this was around the time that Jackie Brown was released that we went on our exploitation flicks binge hmm. mm, Black belt Jones but that seems fairly reasonable. Like that might've been why I got into this film and others like it from the same area era mm. in general, this particular sort of exploitation genre was characterized by being crime films set typically in the urban environment uh, with mostly from the black experience perspective, but not necessarily tackling black issues, which is, I think, one of the reasons why it's called sort of an exploitation piece.
2: Well, it was up there with, uh, well, Superfly, Blackula, the original Foxy Brown, mm-hmm. and uh, the Mac, and of course, Rudy Ray Moore as the Human Tornado.
3: Well, and uh, okay. Mandingo, and Sweet Sweetback's Badass
2: Song. And Cleopatra Jones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then you got into the whole
0: the big bird cage and all the other stuff. They get into subgenres,
3: right? Mm-hmm. So uh, before we get into a uh, plot synopsis and start talking about what happened in the film, you want to do some trivia?
2: Yeah, let's do that. Okay, Ron O'Neill, known as Superfly in 1972, one year after this, actually auditioned for the role of John Shaft, but was turned down because producers felt his skin complexion was too light. So, he was too white to play Shaft.
0: Hmm. Well, if you've seen him, he is a lighter-skinned
2: Yeah. Then Isaac, well, Isaac Hayes originally auditioned to play the title role, and producers cast Richard Roundtree, but were so impressed with Hayes that they asked him to write the now legendary score to the film, which I really think it is legendary.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, not just the theme, although that's the most recognizable thing, but the music all the way through is very, very good.
2: Oh, yeah. Very good. I mean, just the the entire uh, the entire soundtrack. I mean, of course, you you just let Isaac Hayes you know take off and do what he wants. So You're gonna get some good stuff. Um, and Moses Gunn's character. Unless sure you
1: make Scientology jokes.
2: <laughs> right,
1: right.
0: But the music was very contextual in the in in the film. I mean, it made sense and seemed to be written for it. So
2: yeah. So uh, Moses Gunn's character is called Bumpy Joan Jonas after the real Bumpy Johnson, who was an African-American mobster in the 30s. Uh, he was born in South Carolina and got a nickname, Bumpy. Ready? Because he had a bump on the back of his head.
1: Uh, they weren't really clever. just No, I
2: mean, It's pretty, pretty, you know. He was a drug trafficker, a bootlegger, mob boss, and a numbers runner. So.
0: This is ambidextrous Smith. Why well, would you call him that? Because he can use both hands this is this is double chin
1: face jones we call him that because he got a face
2: <laughs> okay yeah pretty much sounds about right so we start out the movie with shaft completely ignoring traffic <laughs> pretty
3: much i mean basically if you're going to want to walk like a badass through new york you're basically just going to have to keep going regardless of what happens and that's right. what Chef does.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I wondered, well, I'll, I'll talk about it later because they, they continue it later on. But it was like, he has absolutely no, I don't say respect, but no consideration for anything going on around him. He has to get from point A to point B, and you're just going to move.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's, I think, I think they're kind of establishing his character somewhat in those opening shots as a guy that uh, is a strong enough character, a big enough badass that he expects even the city of New York to move around him. And
2: they do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's you know, and you start out, you've got the um the the cops that show up and start to try try to pump him for information. You've got the jaded old cop that just is just like, hey, tell me what you know and then you've got his like uh what who did you call him? Kind of a Judge Reinhold.
3: Yeah. A later Judge Reinhold, not not early.
2: Yeah. Judge Ryan Holdish, like, come on, let's just, you know, we'll pump him from there. We'll get, we'll just get the, you know, beat him up and get the information out of him. It's like, you don't do that. to, yeah, shaft. You, you don't press this guy. You don't press shaft. <laughs> no, he's not impressed.
0: Plus the opening shot saves on, on script. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, you know, it was neat to watch though. Cause it was like a time capsule of, of New York at the time though, which I thought was fascinating.
3: That's true. I think that one of the things that they are doing is they're establishing this as almost a classic detective, almost kind of a noir kind of story, Mm. but they're turning the whole relationship between private eyes and police kind of a little bit on its ear, making the connections like, okay, this is how it would be if the private eye were black, and we're talking about the 1970s, and you've got white cops.
2: Well, it's the thing is, though, uh Vic Andrazi, the the lieutenant seemed a a little bit more uh empathetic. Well yeah, yeah. I, I got the
3: impression that they were old friends.
2: Yeah. Yeah, in you a actually ways. could say that they were at, they were together at one point or another where they were, you know, on the same team so to speak. But it was the captain that was, you know, the jackass to him. It seemed like the whole time uh Vic was just like, look, you know, if you don't want to tell me now, you'll tell me later whenever you're ready. You know, I'm here, type of thing. In the meantime, uh, you know, uh, Ben Burford, Ben Ben Buford, is trying to crank him for information, and uh, the captain keeps pulling shit to try and, uh, you know, get get the shaft. Of course, in the first ten minutes of the movie, he does throw a guy out his window. It was more of a dodge, really. Well, he, he he gave a little bit of an assist near the end. <laughs> Got <a little> bit. <laughs> there was a little <laughs> bit with of the a the, shaft. So it was a little bit of the, since you're going that way, (laughs) I'll just help you out. No, you know, and then, of course, you have the, you know, the screeching tires and the woman screaming from below. Uh, I did like the interaction in the, I think, honestly, with my favorite scene in the movie. It had to be when Bumpy shows up finally and uh, they has a conversation with Shaft about his daughter being missing.
3: Yeah, because it starts out with a pretty hardcore stare down. Yeah. Like... you need something from me, and I'm not going to break. I already put one of your guys in the morgue.
2: Get mm-hmm. the hell out of my seat. Yeah. You know what I can do. Just replace oh. that. W- so that and his uh, sidekick with the with that voice. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Was that actually his voice, or was he like trying to do a mugsy on it?
3: Uh, I think that was probably actually his voice. I mean, maybe it was a character voice. Yeah, but just the whole
2: when he come, when he tells you he's gonna be here, you be here on time. So, but Joel, yes, interjection.
0: Things are so Skypey, I'm having a hard time hearing. Um, oh, I agree. I agree with all of what you said. I mean, as far as that interaction and everything, um, and it established the characters and the relationship they were gonna have because. Throughout the rest of the film, um, I mean, you can see that they're walking this really tenuous line between Bumpy wanting to just say, you know, screw it. You're going to do it my way or you're, you're going to be dead. Um, and also wanting to get his daughter back. And there's that follow up scene where, um, what was it, Shaft was asking for more money, was it?
3: Turn well, the whole basically what ends up happening is Shaft agrees to look on his only lead, which is to check with basically the Black Panther type organization in the city. Uh, which right. was his – it's like maybe these guys took him. And Bumpy, it turns out, knew very well that uh, this kind of liberation front organization had nothing to do with the disappearance of his daughter. He just wanted to get Shaft in the building because he knew he couldn't uh, introduce himself and get them kind of on their side. Mm-hmm. And Shaft f- kind of figures that out. He figures out that the hitter w- that was in the building uh, was not a coincidence. Uh like white guys with machine guns uh show up and start blasting. And Shaft figures
1: out Yeah, this that's... isn't 2015. Ah. Sorry, political humor Well,
3: well if that was twenty fifteen they would have had badges.
1: That's what yeah, that's
2: kinda of what I was yeah. Right, sorry.
3: But and uh that Shaft was Patrick from what's... the
2: Texas consulate. <laughs>
3: So in any case, yeah. Shaft uh, goes back to confront Bumpy with the fact that he knows that he was sent in there and he's wondering if he's being set up, if uh what exactly the real story was. And he finally gets the real story, which is that uh he, the mafia took Bumpy's daughter mm. and the Italian mafia is making a move over drugs on territory trying to take back Harlem and decided to take her for leverage. But to the public with a bunch of uh, white guys killing black guys and vice versa to general New York it's starting to look like a race war is brewing mm-hmm. so he wanted to bring in uh, the sort of Black Panthers guys to act as additional soldiers that would take the heat off of his own organization
2: yep and he and honestly they were pretty a pretty crack team yeah you know they covered, their, covered the eg- Exisca, the one scene where he goes in and uh, Chef gets shot, spoilers, uh, to try the first <laughs> attempt to uh, to save him. You know, there was, it was, you could see that they had bought into it. Oh, you yeah. Know, that they were in, they understood, you know, what was going down. One of the things that I, I don't say it was a drawback, but kind of put away from, took away from this one for me, was... I didn't understand any. Uh, I mean, even less though. I understood any of the slang. I what? mean, I didn't. I no. I mean, a lot of a lot of times, I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. Huh?
0: You didn't have subtitles on?
2: <laughs> no. Unfortunately, I don't have my notes. I I there were there were times where there were some. I guess some very seventies slang that was being tossed. Like at the very end. When the case is closed and to get, or when he calls him on the phone. And he says, something. Oh,
3: that ended. Like, did you watch it in one sitting?
2: Yeah. Okay. Because that was a callback to
3: a couple of times. We've got the random sex scenes with Shaft. Yeah. Yes. And uh, at the end of one of them, Vic Andrazi happens to be in the hallway when Shaft kicks the girl out of his apartment and tells her to close the door on your way out, baby. And she says, close it yourself, shitty.
2: Oh, that's right.
3: And then the final line in the movie is a callback to that, where he's like, "I'm I'm handing you your case on the platter," and a Vix like, "Will help me close it?" He's like, "Close it yourself, shitty." Okay, <laughs> that's right. Totally.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. His style of humor is really kind of over the top, and I thought that was kind of cool. It's like when the one guy shows up and is going to shoot off his mouth. Hey, where do you think you're going? I'm going to get laid. Yeah. Where are you going? It's
0: yeah. And what about his clever ruse to make them think he was in his apartment?
3: The I that whole bar was, scene. That was one of my favorite scenes in the entire film where he pretends to be the bartender. Yeah, that was right. That was pretty good. Uh, he he uh, decides to take over from the
2: flagrantly gay stereotype. Everybody in this movie was a stereotype yeah everybody was a caricature yeah yeah the italian
3: uh stereotype the gay stereotype the black stereotype yeah but no uh, the other yes and
0: the, the gay man referred to his girlfriend's chest as groovy boobs
3: groovy boobs <laughs> yeah that's right the chick with the groovy boobs
1: it's nice to see i'm yeah. not the only one that uses that phrase yeah
2: <laughs> The other thing I liked was the scene where uh, Vic Andrazi was in, finally got into shaft before the close it yourself shitty scene, Mm -hmm. where where he's in there and they're having the whole conversation of, the captain wants me to find you. Are you here? No. No, I'm not. (laughs) It was, well, if you ever do get in, you may want to know that this is happening. But since you're not here, it's like...
3: (laughs) Yeah, and that's the sort of scene that could have been pulled directly out of a Bogart film.
2: Yeah. It almost, it almost was. actually, I
0: think, Pat, you talked about gravy boobs, not groovy boobs.
2: <laughs> I'm not just about Now it's that. just gravy boats. Gravy.
1: Gravy. Don't, don't, do not search gravy boobs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> huh. you from Swanson's
2: Day. <laughs> gravy boats. Mm. Not mm. what I was expecting. hmm <laughs> Okay, so before we get to the
3: ending, we do have Shaft trails the mobsters, basically claiming that he's been authorized to speak for Bumpy, uh, gets into their interrogation room by talking to the cops, and tails them back to where they're keeping the girl, and attempts to, with just a couple of guys, take her, but gets shot in the process. Yes. However, he was smart enough to make sure that uh, one of the soldiers, which he has negotiated a price for each of uh, the soldiers from the sort of Black Panther organization, uh, and like a per head, what was it, like $20,000 or $10,000? Oh, how 10, many?
0: 10000 per, yeah. Yeah, 10000 yeah, 10, per. per
3: guy. He had one of those guys – Watch, no matter what happened, make sure if something goes wrong and they get away, you know where they go, which sets us up for the ending, which is this massive, uh, almost like Mission Impossible meets A-Team sort of, you got costumes and going in from different Areas you got distractions and
2: flashbangs. <laughs> yeah, and, and gasoline bombs and you know fire hoses. And then they built the thing that shoots the watermelons. And wait, what? Uh, that wasn't in Europe. I you want have to go the
1: watermelons. I'm huh, like,
2: well, I was thinking about the eighteen where they were on the farm. Pat, get out of his head.
1: Mike, come on, man, watch it. That's racist. <laughs>
2: I did it again. The Texans calling me racist. Yeah. All right. So, but no, I mean, that was that. I like that cool scene where they, you know, they steal the outfits and they all sneak in, wait for the signal. And when everything hits the fan, you know, when everybody comes jumping out of the doors, they're all ready to shoot. And they actually came out of it pretty well. They only had one guy get shot.
3: Yeah. And the plan didn't 100% go according to plan when they were trying to, like, light the bomb and they realized, oh, we're going to need something else. And the guy's pulling random stuff out of his bag until they find something that's going to burn.
2: Yeah. Here, take this. This is gin. <laughs> okay. It'll smell nice. Yeah. And they had a drink, and then they found the bottle of gasoline. I'm glad they didn't pull the gasoline out first, because then Chef would have drank that.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him.
2: But yeah, aside from one
3: guy getting shot, they pretty much uh, have the distraction on one side, uh, bust into the room, but also, like, attack the hallway where they know mafioso are going to be bouncing out of every single door, guns blazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, take care of some of them with a fire hose and gun the rest down. It pretty much goes according to plan.
2: Yep. Uh, I did, going before we go to the total end, uh, the little Jewish uh, street doc was Oh, a yeah. After after Shaft gets shot, he have him come in and patch him up. He was cool, too. And another complete, another caric, another caric, caricature. But uh, no, they, they like that guy.
3: Yeah, I think that the pacing of this movie is one of the great things about that. It slows down a little bit near the beginning where you get the first almost unnecessary love scene. But, I mean, even that's character building.
0: Right. They're establishing who he is and, and what he's about you know uh, what's priority and how much of a just badass duty is Mm
3: -hmm. right but uh, yeah aside from the love scenes everything has a very brisk pace to it. it reminded me in terms of how much the action moved of something even like empire strikes back where you've got scene to scene to scene with uh I, I barely saw the time passing when I watched it again. I think it's one of the reasons why the film holds up pretty well. Hmm. Um, this was selected in the year 2000 for preservation in the U.S. National Film Registry by the Library of Congress for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant.
2: Huh. I did not know that. Like I said, it was time capsule. Yeah, it really is. I mean, because it's... I mean, the just if you it just a reflection of the time is what you're going to get out of this one
0: well and even if you take the stereotypes of the time i mean they're they're stereotypes because they're they're based on reality in, in some regard All the, the the filming and everything there of that of big budget hollywood it was you know a, a different side of it that we so it makes it that much more impressive because it still feels like Yep. Hollywood, but it really—I mean—it was made to sell tickets and make money, and and not much else. Yeah,
3: which is interesting because it's in some ways more radical than the sequel slash. I, I don't want to call the film we're going to talk about in the second half a remake because it isn't a proper remake. It is more of a sequel. No. Yeah, it is, and the, and they're doing a remake, but in some ways, this is more radical. Ah. Uh, than the remake because so much of the cast is black. They, they didn't feel the need to jam a couple of large, uh, big budget draw white actors into the film to make sure people would see it. Uh, and in some ways I think that made it uh, a stronger film.
2: Um, no, I I agree with you on that one. I mean, it's, it is a, uh, they didn't, uh well, like I said, they didn't bow to Hollywood and say, you know, okay, this is, you know, we want this to be a big hit, so we're going to try and throw I don't know who they could have thrown in there. I mean, after, even after watching it, you couldn't actually think that there would be a person that you could toss in there to up it. I mean, with the characters alone, who could you I mean, just the mobsters and the cops. Sidney
0: Poitier.
3: Yeah, and I've, as he's, they went on to Italian. sequels... And the short lived TV series from 1973, those sensibilities got bent a little bit where uh, Shaft uh, was working alongside uh, a white, a, I want to say partner.
2: Is it Shaft in Africa?
3: No, no, I'm talking about the television series. Oh, okay, uh, it was seven episodes uh, from 1973 to 1974. And uh, he worked instead of working sort of at a different angle with the police. He was working directly with them. Okay. Hmm. So and that was partially CBS deciding, hey, if you're going to do this on network TV, you're going to have to tone the character down.
0: Right. Well, I mean, and then the, when the cartoon happened, I mean, they really toned it down.
2: Would. All right, uh, break. <laughs> that never happened.
1: Yeah, I was. I just, I just. Had, I was waiting I, for the joke. I,
2: in my, in my
1: well,
0: head, they made I a saw, RoboCop in a police academy cartoon. I mean, come on.
1: <clears throat> no, I just thought you like had some pun set up. Honestly. Oh
2: no! I was uh, in my head. I had like the Hanna Barbera Shaft, like doing the bongo run where he, like Fred Flintstone.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I would watch that. <laughs> uh, uh, so, I, I, I would. Matter of fact, I'm going to go write that, create it, watch it now.
2: (laughs) On the break? Uh, On the break. break. On to the break. are back. We are here to talk about Shaft
1: 2000.
2: Uh, I you, see me of me. you may have watched the wrong movie again. <laughs> what? Yes. Uh, crud. So this is not a
3: remake. They're working on a remake now uh, this year. I don't think it's uh, going to actually come out in 2015, but I think principal photography should be finished in 2015, but rather than doing a reboot, they decided to do Shaft with Samuel L. Jackson as a sequel with uh,
2: John Shaft's nephew, mm-hmm. who is now a cop. Yeah, and for I, a while. Well, yeah, yeah. spoilers. Well, there's even less no spoilers. Yeah, call that now. Either way, um, if you haven't seen it, you've only had 15 years. So uh Shaft two thousand, starring, like we had said, Samuel Jackson as John Shaft II, Vanessa Williams as Carmen Vasquez, Jeffrey Wright as Peoples Hernandez, Christian Bale as Walter Wade junior, and Richard Roundtree as John Shaft I, the uncle of this film Shaft, Pat Hingle as Judge Dennis Bradford, Busta Rhymes as Rasan, Tony Collette as Diane Palmieri, Dan Heda as Jack Roselli. Hedaya Hedaya That's a pretty yeah, good cast That's a good cast That's I, I Dug it It's good stuff Um, And I really I think they did a good job On this one Um, Putting You know The right person I mean Because it can And honestly Thinking of any actor That's out during the 2000s Can you Think of anybody else Except for Samuel Jackson That would play Shaft Shia LaBeouf Tim okay. Meadows You may be watching The wrong movies <laughs> again <laughs> to meadows so this one kicks off with uh a scene
3: sort of in semi flashback with uh the racially motivated murder of a character named trey who's played by Mackay pfeiffer mm-hmm. um and we kind of immediately get into the sort of detective stuff as shaft is piecing together exactly what happened from a couple of different perspectives. And, uh, the stories he gets build the scene, but they're a little out of order and there's a few bits missing. Um, he knows that, uh, Mackay Pfeiffer was beaten almost to death and he later passes of his, uh, wounds to his head outside a nightclub. Mm. And he goes back in and sees a waitress who's played by Tony Collette,
2: who is, uh, Eyeballing. Nervously
3: looking over at Christian Bale.
2: Yeah, she's she's basically, when he walks in, fingering him for it. Damn, you. Give, give uh, oh, God. Him, <laughs> I had to know that was good. Yeah, dumb. I know. I don't know what the hell I was thinking.
3: Batman's a racist.
2: <laughs> yeah, and he was a particularly cartoonish racist, too.
1: Yeah, he took, he took a great so. memory at being a racist.
2: Christian Bale? I had forgotten that yeah. he was in this.
1: It took me about two minutes to realize it was him, because I was like, that can't be Christian Bale.
2: (laughs) Well, I think Christian Bale has cornered the market on rich white assholes, because you have him in this.
1: That person, Donald Trump.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Well, you've got him in this, and then you have him in American Psycho, and then you have Bruce Wayne, who, he's an asshole.
3: Well, yeah, yeah, when he's doing his whole Bruce Wayne thing, buying the hotel and swimming in fountains with supermodels. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anybody yes. that's not F me
0: that's doing that, here.
1: the only person I'm not going to call an asshole who's doing that would be me. But I'm still an asshole, so I guess never mind. You got to get to the rich part first. Yeah, exactly. That's what. Right. That's my point.
0: Maybe attractive. Too. Oh, that's what's missing.
1: Oh, wow. so, uh, the only difference. The only difference between me and Bruce Wayne is money. That's pretty much it.
2: Physical fitness, and you're real. No, he's not. Get three things. That's
1: it. That's all there is. Hair. Hey, I have hair.
2: <laughs> On your back. Um, On your back. <laughs> it, counts, yeah. it counts. I'm back, man. <laughs> <laughs> so Samuel L. Jackson enters the scene by walking directly through the center of traffic. <laughs> Just like his uncle told him how to cross the street. Yeah, as you do. Yeah, <laughs>
1: his family. It does not care about jaywalking.
2: I, I just had a vision of like uh, you know John Shaft the first. Now when you cross the street, you just go. And they will get out of your way. <laughs> yeah.
1: You go down yeah, the middle. He, the as a kid, like he starts looking, looking both ways. He's like, "What did I tell
2: you?" <laughs> uh, Vanessa Williams did a great job as Carmen Vesquez, I think. Yeah, she was good. Overall,
3: there were a lot of characters in this movie. Maybe a few more than it needed. I
2: mean, it was fine. I didn't dislike it. No, I mean, it was... I think...
0: Are we to that point already, Josh? Wow.
2: No, well, hang on. First, let's get the (laughs) trivia out of the way. (laughs) Sure, sure. Yeah, let's get the the plot in the trivia. Okay, New York City police detective John Shaft, nephew nephew of the original 70s detective, goes on a personal mission to make sure the son of a real estate tycoon is brought to justice after a racially motivated murder. Uh, Yeah. Hitting him upside the head with a stanchion. That's pretty rough. Uh, the trivia John Singleton's original idea for the main character to be the son of John Shaft and that the two Shafts. No, they didn't do anything, Josh. I was really amazed at that. Uh, yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> I was waiting I just go with it. Okay. Would work together, but no studio was willing to finance the project. Paramount producer Scott Rudin demanded that the character be changed to the Shaft's nephew and for Richard Roundtree's participation to be reduced.
3: That is such crap, and I, I think that is the reason why. Though this is all right, this looks very much like a lot of other action films from the 2000s.
1: Yeah. Did, did you hear about the TV show that Richard Roundtree and uh, Richard Moll were going to do together, which is called Shaft and Bulls? Oh,
2: God. So Richard Round. I didn't played. do it. I didn't I... do it. <laughs> Richard Roundtree, who plays Shaft's uncle, is only 6 years older than Samuel Jackson.
1: Whoa. Yeah. He started already. I just, I grew up with two uh w- with with the family next door who, where the two uncles were younger actually than their nephew. Huh? Because like yeah, they were born so late in life.
2: Sure. Yeah. Big families that can happen. Yep. Well, look at my neighbors.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, they probably have that in their own family
2: Yeah, it's probably like One of on those
1: kids has got to be uncle to one of those it's, That's a weird thing you got going over there
2: Yeah, tell them about it Anyway, <laughs> John Leguizamo was originally cast as People's Hernandez But dropped out to go work on Moulin Rouge mm, Which? I... I'm Our pretty okay Yeah, I'm good with that What'd you say, Pat?
1: I said so that's a second Moulin Rouge
2: rec- reference. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's weird too. But I'm all right with him. Not. I think. Uh, I think Jeffrey Wright did a good job at, as it. Though I do think if someone kills your brother, the if you're going to go after him, I think you're stabbing yourself in the chest with an ice pick is counterintuitive.
3: I just think it's a testament to him as an actor that you've got the same guy as People's Hernandez stabbing himself with an ice pick. And the same actor played Beatty in uh, *Hunger Games*.
2: <laughs> Holy yeah. shit, that's right. Yeah, same dude. Oh my god, I didn't even make that connection until right yeah. now.
1: i I, I really like him as an actor.
2: No, I mean he's a great character actor. He's, I mean, he's he another Pesciato.
1: His accent was a little over the top in this one, but
2: yeah. Well, that's everything
1: fair.
0: was over the top. Would you say this it was one. bumpy?
2: Ah. Ah. This is another one of those movies I took my grandmother to go see because she I, liked black men. Well, yeah, she laughed. I didn't need, I didn't she need she to la- say the word
1: black in that sentence, really. I just yeah.
3: <laughs> no <Yeah>. Texas. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, no, I was calling his grandmother a whore. Is what I was really doing. Aww,
2: <laughs> you know I loved her. She would have loved you.
1: <laughs> yeah, what do you mean would have?
2: <laughs> All right, this I got to step away for a second. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like, you want to keep escalating this, yeah. Mike?
2: <laughs> no, I don't know why I decided to, to have a volley go back at you. <laughs> um, but no, she, we, we took her to see this. This is in the same era of, well, let's see what ridiculous movies we could take her to go see, like... Uh, World Police. That was another one. Oh, took, nice. Yeah, World yeah, Police. I, yeah, we my to
1: the puppet sex scene.
2: Yeah, my, my brother took her to see World Police. We talked about this before. We also took her to see Alien vs. Predator, and I took her to see Shaft. <laughs> and How did you just and subject you her to Alien vs. Predator? It was, yeah. It's not like the original Predator was anywhere around to be seen. We already watched it at home. Took her to go see uh, Inception. That was in- that was entertaining. Oof. Because we finished ever, it off, and the titles rolled, and the the last thing thing happened, and lights came up, and she looked at me, and she went, "I don't know what the hell's going on." <laughs>
1: <laughs> have I told to you, them. gentlemen? Sorry about the aside, but have I ever told you, gentlemen, the story about when uh, my dad decided to take the entire family, and I mean like cousins, and my grandmother and grandfather, and just everybody? There was like like twenty eight people all went to the, go see ET together. Oh shit. Yeah, and we walked out of the theater at the end of it, and my grandfather just pretty much kind of looked around at everybody, and he says, "I believe that feller was from outer space." <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh god.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, lots of great character actors in this one. For me, Buster Rhymes. <laughs> Oh, I'm What's... sorry. The last the last trivia, the word fuck is used 165 times in this movie. 170 of those, or 150 of those times are just when Busta Rhymes is driving. <laughs> <laughs> That's the appropriate
3: reaction to Busta Rhymes driving.
2: Yeah. <laughs> did you, okay, in, in, the, in contrast between these two, how many times did you hear him cuss in the original one? Buster uh, Rhymes
1: didn't cuss at all in the original one. Yeah. <laughs> Good point.
2: Yeah, one of the key well, differences. Why do I keep setting them up, Josh? <laughs> I
1: don't
2: know. No, I mean, I in language between the 1970s and this version, it was night and day. I mean, there was absolutely, comparably, almost no cussing yeah. in the original Shaft compared to this one.
1: It was a simpler time. That's all you got. Well, I could have gone racist and said black people weren't allowed to cuss back then. (laughs) But I didn't want to do that, Mike, so thanks for dragging it out of me.
3: Well, also, you know, Richard Pryor kind of (laughs) shoots a hole in even that racist argument.
1: Well, it Uh, wasn't serious.
3: All right. So anyway. I don't know. You're from Texas. (laughs) You believe
1: stuff. Remember, I'm one of the few non-racists down here, which is why I can say things
2: like that. <laughs> so, uh, the best turning in my badge scene.
3: Huh. That was ridiculous.
2: <laughs>
3: Throwing it as a shuriken.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I saw Slang. him do that. And I was like, huh. Now, if there were physics in this world, somebody <laughs> in the upper deck just got ganked because that thing would have flown off like sideways out of his hand. Uh, I liked it.
1: That's a little known fact that at any given given time, a cop can use his shield as a throwing star.
3: Yeah, but they only get to do it once. So they don't (laughs) don't do it very often.
1: Right. Then you Um, have to send off to Japan for another shield.
3: Right. And (laughs) while it's Gone. You're not a cop anymore, so you expose yourself <laughs> to danger. You can't violate any civil rights. <laughs>
1: you, you can't. Never mind. Here we I, go. I go with that instinct. Yeah, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to shut up.
2: <laughs> I felt Before bad. I the whole show arrested. <laughs> I felt bad for uh, Diane Palmieri's brothers. <laughs> yeah,
3: but to be fair... You come at Samuel L. Jackson with a bat, you should know what you're getting into.
2: Yeah, if you come at him with a bat, you're definitely going to get ganked by Peoples.
3: <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Well, yeah, that's that's true.
2: Yeah, that poor guy, he got stabbed right in the liver. He survived, though, didn't he?
3: I don't no. know. The th- Did the second brother actually live through that scene? I know. Yeah, I, don't I, don't I think, think so. he'd... No, you I think can't
1: he, call them yeah, brothers unless you're actually black yourself, Josh. No. <laughs>
3: We're talking about the white oh, Jesus.
2: Oh, sorry. In that case, it's cool. Um, yeah, I think he did. I think they made an offhand comment about his other brother was in the hospital. Oh, you could be right. Yeah. Because that, I, uh,
3: he
1: was checking on him with
3: their mom. Yeah. And that he was still alive. He was uh, in the hospital. I think that's absolutely correct. Yeah. This
1: wasn't an R-rated movie, was it? Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. It was? Okay. Well, that's
2: a pretty hard R.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, because you, you can't kill people like that in a PG-13 movie, so...
2: You can't say fuck 165 times in a PG-13 movie. That's before. a good point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's you, you a just very good lie. point. Yeah. I didn't think about that. He, he said, they only said fuck once, but it was like a 35 minute...
1: <laughs> 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 just, you know, just one guy in the background of every scene dragging it out. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: The introduction, having Richard Roundtree show up was awesome. And I think that re- making him his cousin and ending the show, ending it with those two going off and be- starting up the you know, private investigator investigation team, I think was a great ending to the sh- to it. And that's all I have to say about
3: that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there were a lot of things going on here. A lot of, like, plots and subplots. And I guess it all came together. I just... I I don't think this was a bad movie. It was just an entirely generic movie with a thin veneer of, like,
2: cool from the 70s. I think they could have gone better if they had either gotten rid of Walter Wade or Peoples. Right.
3: And I kind of feel that they... uh,
2: there was pressure from the
3: studio to make it a more generic action movie to get broader appeal, which is how you end up with all of these great actors. Like I love Christian Bale. I've thought Tony Collette was awesome since my, uh, big fat Greek wedding. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know that all these characters doing all these different things, not my big fat Greek, uh, she was Muriel's wedding.
2: No. And, um, uh, I was trying to remember
1: when, where she was in my big pet Greek wedding. No, I
3: saw those films like within a year of each other, so I frequently mixed them up.
2: Uh, Dan. I still
1: haven't seen Muriel's Wedding. It's good. Yeah, Jack, it's Jack
2: Roselli heard. also. Really good. He's good. I like him in all the stuff they put him in. And, Who? Yeah. Dan Hada. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hedaya. Yeah, Hedaya.
1: He,
3: he pretty much always plays either uh, a villain or a dirty cop.
2: Yeah. Or or a sleazeball. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing is like, oh, I mean, the the twists in this movie were like, oh, look at the guy who's actually helping him out. Helping him out is the one who's you know the racist racist guy over over at the PD. I liked that. I liked that twist. You know, that was cool. I was expecting that Roselli would actually turn out to be good about halfway through the movie. The first time I saw it, then I'm like, what am I thinking? Look who's playing him. He's got to be dirty. <laughs> just goes to show you he that even racists can have depth.
0: What are you saying, Pat? I'm
3: just it, saying. He's just speaking up for the racists.
1: Exactly. They shouldn't always be impugned. Sometimes they do good things. I mean, Hitler did wonders for the economy. Let's stop oh, him yeah. right now.
2: <laughs> good oh, God. Christ. Here we go. So... <laughs>
1: I'm sorry, I can't even maintain a straight face. <laughs> I don't even
2: that. know where the hell to take this now.
1: <laughs> I have completely derailed I'm
2: I, <laughs> I almost said what we all think of the movie, then I realized Patrick might speak up. <laughs> I like the ending.
3: When uh, Shaft is about to just put a bullet in people's head and then uh, the brothers show up and just hit hit people's with a car. That was pretty badass. The, the the Palmieri brothers. It's like, yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna ride to the rescue right before Chef could take out the big bad. In a lot of ways,
2: yeah. I just I like when he the first time he took people's in too, and when he touched him, you done oh, assa- yeah. you assaulted a police officer. He's, he's, he's,
1: I felt my life was in danger. <laughs>
2: There were a lot of good lines in this movie, too. I mean, yeah, it, and
1: a it,
3: couple of cringe inducing
2: bad ones.
1: But I did learn a new pickup line. Oh, God. <laughs> Go ahead, Josh. What was it?
3: God, what? Oh, asking if she wanted the wanted to cuddle or if she wanted the long D. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the long D.
3: So freaking awkward. Yeah. I had
1: to alter it. I'll call it like the medium D, but whatever.
2: You call it the stubby P.
0: He had a couple of hits in the 90s. Stubby P. <laughs> Stubby
3: P.
2: Stubby P and the boys. Oh
3: and that's God. uh that whole scene with the uh, awesome, talented Sonia Son, uh, who you might not even know who she is unless you watch The Wire. She's one of the leads in The Wire. It's great to see her in this. But uh, yeah, the whole it's my duty to please that booty. It's <laughs> like, okay, that's a badly written line if even Samuel L. Jackson can't make it sound cool.
2: Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I want, I want to hear James Earl Jones say that.
2: <laughs> Go ahead, Joel. <laughs> I, don't, I don't do a James Earl Jones impression.
1: <laughs> you don't do any of the other ones either. Never <laughs> <stopped>.
2: <laughs> we don't do Sammy Davis Jr., that's for sure.
0: No, oh, because he's dead.
2: Oh, Now I'm oh. sad again. Hey. <laughs> all right
3: so going around how, how we feel about this one i, I think we're pretty much all liked the original right
2: yeah yeah i liked it i mean it wasn't as i was wasn't what i was expecting like i said i'm my i tend not to like the pacing on this on the 70s movies i just i didn't like that but i mean as a whole i thought it was a lot of fun to watch
1: I, I kind of nothing to the first movie. I didn't yeah. like it or hate it.
2: That's fair. Joel, you
3: were trying to say. The
0: first one is classic. Yeah. I love it.
3: Yeah, I, I feel the same way. It's I, I don't know that it cracks my top 10 or top 20 movies. But if I'm thinking of the 1970s, Shaft is going to be one of the first films that jumps to my mind.
1: I just I, I should have probably mentioned this in the first half, but I'm not a real big huge fan of the whole black exploitation, exploitation, any kind of that genre myself. So I I knew I wasn't gonna love it going yeah, into it.
3: And I think that the the real dedicated genre films, a lot of the things that we've talked about, like kung fu and whatnot, they're just not your thing.
1: Right. I don't I don't like the things that are too stylized.
2: Um so, how about the how about the new one? The new one was fun, but it wasn't anything new. I mean, it wasn't for the for the two thousands. It was a standard action flick. I mean, they threw in, like you said, they threw in a little bit of frosting of the seventies feel to it, like with the the uh, fade outs and that sort of thing. But um, you know, it's I think- not one that I would go out of my way to buy.
1: I think if you want to see Samuel L. Jackson being a badass, there are a lot better choices out there to make. Yes, absolutely.
2: Yeah, I I don't know.
3: Like, the original, I think, deserves its place in the Smithsonian's list of culturally significant films. This one, while I don't have any particular problem with it, like, I'd say, yeah, I liked it. It was a movie. I, I, I wouldn't say any particular thing i disliked about it but it's certainly forgettable as yeah. compared to the first
2: well i mean also look at what else was coming out that year i just you know i just brought up uh most popular feature films in 2000 number one castaway gladiator snatch american psycho memento requiem for a dream you know x-men uh some
1: those are some outrageously good movies
2: yeah remember the titans mission impossible 2 almost famous yeah this was a good year for movies unbreakable you know and then i mean you've got unbreakable and uh then you've got uh american psycho Two much better movies with uh, samuel jackson and uh christian Christian bale Bale. Yeah. yeah i just oh emperor's new groove that's another awesome... Oh, Brother out though? I mean, there were so many other movies that came out in 2000 that there was no way... I mean, they did this so by the numbers that there was no way that this thing was going to yeah.
3: make Yeah, and anything. that's the thing what is I think they wanted to make it appeal broadly, but they genericized it so much that it's not noteworthy
2: at all.
1: Yeah. But it probably made money.
2: Yeah, we'll oh, see. I'm sure it did. I mean, got... Uh, $70.3 million.
1: What was the budget?
2: Uh, don't know. Seventy point two million.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Technically.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Uh it was the number thirty-three on the uh, list of movies, uh, top producing movies for the two thousand, just ahead of The Kid with Bruce Willis, which was just ahead of Road Trip, which was just ahead of Vertical Limit, yikes, which was just ahead of Bring It On, which was just ahead of One Hundred and Two Dalmatians.
1: I feel I like, like God I'm God listening God to somebody God. read numbers from the Bible.
2: The, the cells.
1: Which beget, which beget, which beget,
2: which <laughs> oh. beget. Even I think those are boring. Yeah. Um, all right, so budget was es uh estimated budget of forty six million.
3: Yes. So yeah, it made some money and it got uh pleasant reviews. I I think in general the consensus was like, yeah, it was alright. It was an action flick. Yeah, Yeah. mixed to positive reviews.
2: There's a former Commissioner Gordon and a future Christian Bale in it. Oh, He was also Christian Bale then. No, Batman, I meant. Sorry. Oh, okay. (laughs) Pat Pat Hingle and uh, Christian Bale.
0: It's just kind of a throwaway action movie from that time.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's cool that McFarlane Toys uh that year actually made a Shaft action figure based on Samuel L. Jackson as part of their Movie Maniacs toy line. <laughs> That's cool. I don't know I that see. he fits as a maniac, but I think it's awesome that there's a Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> action figure.
1: Yeah. You know, you guys know that you can get your own action figure made now? What? Yeah.
2: Like of me? It's a a
1: company you can send in. If you send in a a bunch of pictures of you, they'll make an action figure. Huh. Yeah. Package it and everything for you.
2: Hollow Man made more money than this. (laughs) Ooh. Wow. Space Cowboys made more money.
1: (laughs) Space Cowboys, man, Baby Boomers love that
2: movie. Chicken Run made more money than this. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm.
1: Chicken Run was innovative at least.
2: Big Mama's house made more money than
1: this. Oh, okay, <laughs> I can't I can't justify that at all.
2: <laughs> yeah. And done. <laughs> so so what are we doing next week? Chicken Run. Menomina.
0: do 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 do.
2: Menomina. Do 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 not doing the whole thing. Muppets. We're done. We're doing the Muppets. We are doing the original Muppets. The Muppets show, the core Muppets. Miss Piggy, Kermit the Frog, Fozzie, Gonzo, Scooter?
1: Yep.
2: Yep, all those guys. And uh, we will uh, watch some old Muppet Show episodes. We're going to watch the Muppet movies and uh, talk about that for next week. Who just left? Nobody. Nobody's here. Yep. Oh, Josh. Josh?
1: We lost Josh?
0: His connection went shoddy for a
2: second. Ah, Okay. Well... If by chance you want to look at any of our older shows, you can find us on iTunes or on Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe. If you want to call and leave us a voicemail number, I don't know why you would want to call in after listening to this show, but (laughs) I'm sure you have an opinion. Uh, (laughs) Call at 708 now wrapped. That's 708-669-9727. And uh, please, if you want to direct any at Pat, just say his name first. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Oh, was that just me who disappeared? Yeah, just you. Just you. That's weird. It dumped me out in the middle of uh, talking about the Muppets.
2: Yeah, but we did. Did you want to say anything else? No, I like the Muppets. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Don't I, got <laughs> I got nothing. I assumed,
3: I, I assumed the entire uh, uh, show like went down due to bad internet. But I just dumped me out. <laughs> Sounds
1: like we missed a real gold nugget there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like the Muppets.
3: <laughs> uh, well, no, I, I started saying, "Well, yeah, we're doing the Muppets," and then no one was saying it, and I was, and I was <laughs> like, "The Muppets, right, guys?" Yeah,
2: not everybody <laughs> at once. <laughs> <laughs> so Muppet shows next week. Forty going on fourteen.
1: We're now leaving the world of musings of a geek podcast network. Stay geeky, my friends.
0: Is that Woody Allen with the stroke?
1: <laughs> Beckinbull. Bull, What movie? Put Beckett Bull. <laughs> oh, it was definitely
0: not that
3: movie. That
0: was who was that?
3: I think I can smell Trevor? that from here.
1: Who? Who gets <laughs> Trevor?
0: <laughs> Taste it.
1: Uh, no, thank you. I'm good.
0: Who was that? Who was that, Mike?
1: I'll be right that back. That was Mike. <laughs> yeah, I had a mouthful of beer, but I was <laughs> Sadly, I know Mike's farts. He's going
3: <laughs> off to get a spatula to wipe. <laughs>